Welcome to the Spawn Chunks, episode number 208 for Monday, August 29th, 2022. My name is Joel Duggan and joining me as always is Johnny, aka Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello, and we are not alone today. We have a guest with us who's been telling us all about his brand new home office studio space in the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast, which you can listen to if you're a patron at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks. But uh, we're delighted to welcome Impulse SV back to the show. Impulse last joined us for episode 60, which probably means we're all older and wiser now. Uh, you can find him on YouTube at at youtube.com slash impulsesv and impulsesv2 streaming on twitch at twitch.tv slash impulsesv and on the i'll say relatively new imp and skiz channel youtube.com slash imp and skiz where he and his good friend skizzleman throw themselves into challenging minecraft scenarios and also recently started their own podcast impulse welcome back to the show hey thanks for having me you said this is episode what'd you say 208 and uh-huh. i was last on episode 60 so oh, yes if I do some math, that, you've done 148 episodes since I was last on. That is crazy. I, I actually went back to the archive and found the episode that you were on, and it was in 2019. The world was a different place back then in, in a <laughs> yes. number of ways. And so, yeah, like we, we have uh, waited a very long time to be able to talk to you again, but it's always great to have guests back. And uh, you can tell us all about what's going on in your Minecraft life. Uh, but before all that, why don't you tell us a bit about the Imp and Skiers podcast? Sure. Yeah, it's a brand new endeavor. And uh, basically, you guys know Imp Imp and Skiz is it's me and my good buddy Skizzle Man. And we've done a lot of things together. We've created, you said, relatively new. It's been just about over two years since we created created our own Imp and Skiz channel where we were doing a lot of Minecraft stuff together. And we decided, you know what, let's let's uh, let's do some podcasting. And I, I can tell a whole story about how that came about later. But so we started the podcast and basically we're not talking about Minecraft. We're going to let the experts, uh, Joel and Johnny, cover that on the spawn chunks. <laughs> you know, we're not going to try to creep into your space. Don't worry. But uh, we decided, you know, we we've been friends forever. We've we've got a lot of, of things in history together. We've got a lot of good stories. We've got a lot of insights on life and the world of content creation. Let's just sit down and just talk, just talk to each other and record it and let let the audience kind of be flies on the wall. Uh, we do uh, we post it on our YouTube channel, so we do have a video segment portion as well as the, the regular podcast material that, that goes out on all the podcast platforms that you would expect. And um, yeah, we've done three have been released and we actually just recorded two more because, you know, Skiz lives a very busy life. He's going out of town, so we had to kind of get ahead of it. So we got two in the hopper and we release them every Friday now. And it's been such a fun endeavor. So and that was part of the reason why I, I kind of was like, yes, I'd love to I'd love to be back on the spawn chunks and, and you know, be here with you guys, because now I've got a little ex- experience with the podcasting under my belt. And uh, part of it was after I did the you know episode 60 with you guys, I realized that I really had fun doing it and I wouldn't mind doing my own someday. So awesome. thanks for the inspiration. Yeah, happy to have been that inspiration for you. And can I just say, I'm incredibly jealous of you guys getting to record in the same room because like with me and Joel, mm-hmm. we've never even met in person at this point because obviously the world kind of changed in 2020 and we weren't able to like travel and do conventions together if we were going to do anything like Minecraft Festival like that all had to be cancelled. And so I think in a, in an, a parallel universe, Joel and I have probably at least been able to meet and do one in-person podcast together. But yeah, seeing you guys sit down and shoot the breeze about life is so refreshing and it's obvious that you guys have such a rapport after knowing each other for a long time so it's a very natural feeling podcast 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we we enjoy it. And yeah, being in person definitely has its advantages. You know, we can pick up on signals of when somebody's ready to pass the baton to the next you know person and uh, facial expressions really do help too. So, but you guys have done considering wow that you've you've never met in real life is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, That's like crazy. A, I mean, we live opposite sides of the Atlantic, and I just haven't been traveling over Joel's way for a while. And yeah, like it again. If if we get the opportunity to do like a Minecon show or anything like that in future, like we'll we'll definitely do it. But man, it's it's just the the remote thing works for us i guess and it's one of those things about the minecraft community where there aren't really any barriers of distance because so much of the stuff takes place online we just mm -hmm. naturally fell into that yeah makes sense yeah you guys have done a wonderful job being remote thanks man it, it, for me it's I like, like to think about it as, as becoming fast friends because I started uh, the Sizzle Cafe, my other podcast, with a couple of my buddies, much like you and Skizzleman, that I've known for years and years and years. Like we went to high school together. And the feeling of starting that show, even though the co-hosts have changed since then because those guys have got families and they've become very busy, that kind of ease of talking to one of your buddies about the kind of stuff that you're into uh when you know that feeling and then you start up a new podcast like the spawn chunks as i did with johnny you know back 2018 i think it was johnny now? yeah yeah uh, the, and, the, ad, the dawn of the update aquatic so yeah, yeah 2018 so but i it had that same feeling of like i knew that johnny and i could just talk about minecraft for days <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> we have to do something with this because when it's that easy to talk to a co-host, the distance doesn't matter. But it, I have done some recording with uh, Comics Coast to Coast, a, a show I used to do years ago, with those guys live at a convention. And that is really fun, especially after being remote uh, for so many years. Because Brian Dunaway was in North Carolina, still is, and uh, Matthew Ducharme is in Boston. And so for us to get together in Utah, of all places, and do like a panel together and do like a live uh, recording was awesome and and weird at the same time it's like this is great we don't feel like we're stepping on matt because his internet connection sucks you know like <laughs> there's all that kind of stuff that was fun to tiptoe around and in front of an audience as well like it's got to have a very yes. different energy yeah. to recording just at home and feeling like oh hey i can cut out anything like if there's a weird awkward silence or whatever i can just zip <laughs> that's gone but no that's uh that's so fun so um aside from the podcast obviously you've got plenty going on in minecraft what's new in your minecraft life impulse <laughs> there's a there's a lot going on uh typical uh, typical me i i like to do a lot of different things all at once and, and just bite off more than i can chew with just about everything i, I tackle but as far as hermitcraft goes if you've been watching hermitcraft you'll you'll know that i have three huge projects all, all going on kind of simultaneously and i jump between them uh which is is part of a strategy that i use anyway for hermitcraft is just to kind of keep me from getting bored of something i like to have multiple things going on and jump between them so i have my my dwarven base uh so i've taken on a dwarven character this season which we can talk more about later but uh, I'm building a dwarven style base in a mountain, which included a lot of digging. I think I've done over half a million blocks of, of digging so far with just like stone alone. And uh, I've got an industrial district going up because I, you guys know me, I'm an automation guy. I like to do my farming. And then recently I started tackling a mega shop. I was tired of building different like little small shops for every little thing I wanted to sell. So I decided, you know what, let me kind of take on the idea that Sahara took in season six and just build one giant building and be able to sell everything in it. And then I don't have to keep continue building like a new structure every time I want to sell a new thing, which eventually I want to sell, you know, pretty much everything I can. 
But uh, we'll see. We'll see how much goes into that. And so far, that just building the shop on it on its own has taken uh, a month, and I'm only about halfway there. So <laughs> it's a it's a ginormous <laughs> project. But aside from Hermitcraft, uh, I decided finally to to bring my single player hardcore world off of a hiatus that it was on. You know, I decided to take a break when Hermitcraft started to focus on that. But you know, it's been three months, and decided you know it's time to to pick that up off the shelf and get back into my hardcore world. I, I like playing hardcore. It's the first ever hardcore world I've played and it has a different vibe to it. I do it on only on stream. Uh, I re- do record the streams and then I have it edited so that there's a, a kind of a smaller version that people can consume on YouTube as well. But the it's very casual in that I only play it while on stream. So I only put three hours of work into it a week and it's a very kind of slow, chill process to... Um, creating, you know, things in Minecraft in front of people and they get a better view of, oh, this is how long stuff actually takes because how much stuff mm-hmm. do we cut out, uh, you know, of, of like regular episodes that we do. And it's like, you know, I'm going to go grind for some resources and then, you know, quick whoosh later, here they are. And really, in in, in reality, it was 10 hours of your life. So now, <laughs> you know, with my my hardcore world, people actually get to see the grind and, and feel it and, and I, th- I think they connect some like some people really do connect with that slower pace and and then like it it relate it's relatable to them because they they know the grind themselves if they play so i got that going on and then uh my my third channel so i have a second channel that i put all my stream stuff on my third channel is the infant skiz channel and we actually started a brand new series as well called skyblock evolution so we've always loved the concept of skyblock worlds and our buddy Draconis has put together a data pack which allows Skyblock to be kind of taken to the next level by allowing for certain mobs to drop certain blocks you couldn't normally get in Skyblock, which allows us to do a lot more. And it's called Skyblock Evolution. And he uh, recently released a second revision of it, so it's version 2 now. So we decided to, to get that kicked off again. And again, it's another series where we basically don't spend a lot of time off camera. Uh, we do a little bit of grinding sometimes between week to week. Uh, we stream it once a week every Tuesday. And uh, it's mostly on camera stuff. And we get it off to our editor and they edit it down to a, a consumable version for YouTube. And people have a choice. They can either watch the long form version of our live streams or they can watch the shorter form version that's kind of highly edited um, by our editor. You may uh, know the Puka. We use him as our editor, and he does a great job. He's an animator at heart, so he likes to throw in some animations too, which makes the makes the editing fun. But all that's going on all at the same time. I'm juggling. I'm juggling all the plates. You know. Yeah. So my my follow up question was going to be, when do you ever sleep? Uh, <laughs> but uh, considering that you've got like you you got a couple of people editing your your hardcore series or your your skyblock series, I think that's that's a good balance. Do you still edit the Hermitcraft stuff yourself though? Is that still part of your workflow? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I do. With Hermitcraft, it's it's a little easier to be an editor with because you you kind of know what you're doing as you do it, right? So yeah. You know, like I I have like a an outline of each episode that I I follow, and so I know. I'm going to hit record and do this and say this and then once and then stop recording and I just throw that in the timeline and and I know that's my clip, you know, Mm so editing happens as I'm recording versus these other ones where it's been like a a three hour of just full blown nonstop recording that somebody needs to go in and cherry pick the best moments out of. Yeah, those kind of things I don't have time for anymore. But uh, yeah, editing uh, Hermitcraft is definitely something that I kind of hold close to to my to my vest. You know, like it's something that I don't know if yeah. I'll ever give up because it's it's kind of my baby. You know. Yeah, and it, it's part of the creative process as well. It's like you're showcasing the builds and everything. You're doing all of the stuff on the server, but it's about 
how that ends up getting given to the audience and that's still part of like the the video is still going on even when you hit stop recording right like you're still mm -hmm. trying to think about what the next beats are of the videos so exactly. it makes sense that that's that's something you want to hold on to i'm kind of the same like i've i've considered maybe getting an editor in to do a couple of things but i like the editing process so much it feels like part of it for me right yeah same here i was the same way when i was doing uh my own editing content it was as an animator previously i had that same sort of sense of timing and i feel like you t you put on a director's hat when you're recording clips and planning to edit them together. Whereas if you're just doing, I say just, when you're doing a live stream, I don't know if I have the same directorial hat on, right? It's more task oriented where I'm just trying to do the build and be entertaining and fun, but not necessarily thinking about like what shots look good or the timing of going from one thing to the other. And I think that when you're editing YouTube videos, that directorial thing kind of comes in a little bit heavier what's it like impulse working with an editor like is there a, a lot of like letting go and just kind of like is there a lot of back and forth with you said it was the puka was the editor? yeah yeah the puka's his name um it's it's been seamless with him uh you know at first obviously you get nervous that they're not gonna edit to this the style you would want to see or you you might have a back and forth I've not had any issues. I've handed everything off to him and he's just been, he's done a brilliant job with everything. And it, what's great is with an editor, sometimes as a content creator, you don't actually understand what's, what's like funny or impactive to your audience because you're, you're in it, you know, you're, you're, you're doing it and you don't really have the same connection to your content that a viewer would have. And with an editor like the Puka, he's basically you know, started as a viewer slash hopefully fan. And when he watches the things I've recorded, when he feels like something touched him as a viewer, he knows that that needs to go in the content. Uh, it goes in the edit. And so he comes back and he'll emphasize certain things where I would have never emphasized that as a as the creator of it because I didn't understand how much it would resonate with the viewers and he does because he's first and foremost a viewer himself so that part's been really cool and he's he's brilliant um if if i could like lock him up and pay him full time you know i would but uh you know he's also got his life and and other other things that he's juggling too so we try to try to be uh, go easy on him but we do have him doing you know both our skyblock series and my now my hermit craft or not my hermit my hardcore series again and uh, we're keeping him pretty busy he's also done uh we did animated shorts on our infant skiz channel which is was a really fun endeavor where basically the whole thing is animated they're they're you know shorts so they're only about a minute to two minutes long and skizzle man would write the script and we would voice act it and then we'd give it to puka and he would he would animate the whole thing and we've done i think three three or four of those and uh, those are really fun. So I'm going to I'm going to use this this opportunity to plug that those videos. If you guys haven't seen them, go to the Infant Skiz channel and search for uh, animated shorts. You won't be you won't be let down. They're really cool. But yeah, I haven't had any issues with with editing or having somebody else do the editing. He's he's come back and just everything has been top notch. So I couldn't be happier. And uh, I hope nobody tries to steal them from me. <laughs> <laughs> of course, once you get a good editor, you want to keep that relationship going. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Johnny, what's been on your plate for Minecraft this week? So I've been uh, working on building up my base on Empire's SMP. I have not 
done enough building there compared to some of the stuff that I've been doing elsewhere on the server. So last week, you may remember, I was talking about building a giant skull in a jungle thousands of blocks away for Joey Graceffa's series. And then I came back to my base and was like, I don't have anything that big. <laughs> like, why Why am I not doing this at my own, like, in my own backyard? So I've been working on building things that are more than just my hole in the wall that I was using for storage, the new storage catacombs area, and, like, the occasional ruins that I have. So I, I added a tower which houses two nether portals, one of which goes to the central nether, the other one goes to the nether roof where we're just connecting for behind the scenes access to each other's bases. Um, I'm building roads just to try and get a feel for the layout of the city that is eventually going to spring up around this area. And I just built a gatehouse on the Great Bridge, which was one of the earliest builds I did on the server. I, um, you know, built that to effectively lead into my area. And it's now got a big door in the center of it as well um, that, you know, is only slightly ajar. It's kind of like three blocks space from, I think, 11 or 12, whatever sort of width the, the bridge is. And so I'm starting to work a little bit more with shielding some of the builds behind that so that the player's perspective is through this narrow gap and then it really like opens out once you step through the door and you can see some of the stuff around you. Uh, the stuff around you when you step through the door right now is the side of a cliff, but I am planning on terraforming that and, and adding a few more things around there as the road kind of goes down into the capital. So a lot of work going on there. And this week, uh, most of the Empire's whitelist is out of town for Fwip's wedding. Uh, he lives over in Seattle, I believe, and he uh, has a bunch of people from the Empire's crew going to visit him and, and hanging out. And he's, you know, collaborated with them for years and years now, so they're all getting together. Uh, I am staying at home uh, and <laughs> aiming to get into people's bases and mess with them a bit. Um, and it's not going to be pranks as such, but more kind of fun story-based builds and custom dungeons that they can get stuck into once they're back. Basically just kind of lining up content for them once they return to the server after their time away. Um, so that's been occupying my brain. I should do a survival guide episode at some point this week, and I've got another couple of concepts for Empire's videos further down the line. I sort of want to start a museum on the server, both hearkening back to the museum I did in season one of Survival Guide, but also uh, kind of my role on the server as somebody who's interested in history and preserving things and that kind of stuff. I got a couple of a couple of things planned for that. So yeah, it's all go on Empires right now, but I'm having a blast with it. It's coming together really well. I really like the, I could say, almost gothic-inspired architecture on the gatehouse. Yeah. It definitely reminds me of all of the inspiration you've been talking about over the last few weeks uh, with Elden Ring. Yes. Yeah, no, it, it's 100%. Like, the, uh, the towers on either side of this bridge are basically one portion of a building from Elden Ring that I just tried to sketch in creative and then thought you know what yeah i'll just put an archway between the two of these and it can be like a massive entry gate and the scale is going to be way different in minecraft than it is in elden ring because the player scale is different and obviously the amount of detail they can get in fully 3d modeled environments is going to be different to what we can do with meter by meter blocks so i took a couple of creative liberties as you do put a lot of texture into it to try and you know tie the whole thing together and yeah really happy with how this went i had a couple of ideas for the door whether it was going to be a big like wooden door with massive hinges or if it was going to be a portcullis for a while 
and I ended up settling on just having a big door. And I'm happy that I did that because it was a lot less detail to throw together. And it also reads a lot more easily. Like a lot of the rest of the structure is quite detailed. So the door, again, gives your eyes some place to rest a little bit. It, it, it's a recognizable massive wooden door compared to the rest of it, which you're just kind of looking around going, what is all of this? I've always liked those kind of doors in Minecraft too, because like they remind me of the things that you see like cave trolls opening in Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah. Like that mm -hmm. kind of you know heavy <laughs> thing that the average person can't move. It has to be moved by a team or a mechanism or, or something like that. Yeah. Like I, I've actually got the brackets on the back of the door where you could imagine them putting like a massive log, like a huge piece of timber across to oh, brace nice. the gate against siege weapons or <laughs> something like that. And eventually there'll be a wall around the whole thing as well. But uh, yeah, I decided in the lore of the world, because I'm trying to build a picture of what happened to this ancient empire, that, you know, when people have fled this capital, they've effectively abandoned it. They've left the door open because there's sort of nothing left to defend at that point. So it kind of gives an excuse for this giant door being open and also not really being able to move in Minecraft. But I, uh, I'm i I'm still crossing my fingers for a day when they'll let us have doors that are bigger than two by two. Because uh, I could really do with some stuff like that right now. <laughs> Just throw in the create mod, right? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Like, I, I want to have, like, a, a mechanized port Cullis, you know i want to have like <laughs> gatehouses that actually function in the game but that's like yeah that's create mod territory at that point that's like yeah you, all kinds of mods need to go into making that actually happen that build is gorgeous jeez i'm super impressed <laughs> dude thank you yeah no it it, it took a, a bit of sketching out and it helped that joey graceffa had just dropped off a ton of prismarine and so i was like i'm gonna make the roofs out of that and that solves that problem entirely but it goes <laughs> it, it's it's my first time actually getting to pair copper and prismarine together i haven't really messed with that color combination but it makes perfect sense for oxidized copper to go with that kind of stuff and building the roofs out of prismarine meant that it can kind of look like a variant on that without me having to oxidize all the copper by laying it out in you know a four by four grid or whatever because man i i'm missing having the machine i built on the first season of empires that like lets the copper oxidize and spreads it all out using redstone and flying machines because that was that was so useful and since then i've not had a flat surface to lay out my copper on and it's it's chaos <laughs> i just <laughs> I, I need to have some kind of big like strip mine space somewhere that i convert into a copper aging field Impulse, are you using copper and prismarine in the dwarven base? I am. Or is it yeah. just... Oh, it is both. Okay. I, was, yeah, I knew you yeah, were using in, copper. I couldn't, I couldn't remember if you are using both. Yeah. Yeah. They're a great mix, as, as uh, Johnny said. I, yeah. I'm using them inside my uh, my dwarven keep. Um, they, they go great with, with deep slate, like that, that darker kind of grayish black uh, material. And then up against the prismarine and the, and the aged copper is, is just really nice look together. So yeah, I went I went with that, and uh, I, I don't regret it. <laughs> it's such a good color combination. But copper is not fun when you have to let it age. That's for sure. So I I need to look into this redstone flying machine that you've created. <laughs> I, this is the first I've heard of it, and maybe oh, I can I can use it on the Hermitcraft. <laughs> believe me, there are much better designs out there. But I had a lot of fun. This was one of the first things that I kind of built just from my own brain instead of it being just a basic resource farm this is my first time getting into like redstone system stuff and designing it from scratch so it was fun but there are i'm sure tons of people out there who can make much better ones uh, i can probably link you to some after we're done with the show uh, but before we get into that let's ask joel what's uh, what's new on the citadel what's new with you well there have been two steps forward and three steps back on oh. the tiger hill mansion build I, it's just <clears throat> it's my own 
problem being picky and trying to get things right. And uh, in a lot of ways, the builds on this, this uh, West Hill town are, are planned, but then also fly by the seat of my pants. And I thought, this is going to be cool. I'll have a double door. Those are cool looking in Minecraft. Well, that means that the entire build from that side is on an even uh, number of blocks as opposed to odd. And it makes <clears throat> roof additions a lot tougher because the style in the building has very pointy, very sloped roofs. And I'm trying to add some dormers or second floor rooms on the north side. And to get one central, it has a two block wide middle, which is really hard to make look pointy in Minecraft when it's two meters wide. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so I either have to go off center or I've got these two kind of like castle turrets that kind of come out and create this cove for the entrance. And I'm, I was thinking about putting one room over each of those, but then then the roof touches the towers to the left and the right. And it just, it became a whole lot of like, I call them tangents. I really don't like it when blocks in Minecraft touch on a 45 degree angle, you know, like it's just the edge of the voxel shape that touch and there's no other real kind of like substantial connection. It you know, drives me a little bit crazy. So I was hacking at that for the better part of a stream and just like ended up bailing on it and saying, okay, I'm going to come back to this. I, I need a break. Thankfully the build is big enough and has enough facets that I can switch around and move onto different things. And so I added a second tower that serves as a staircase, both to go up as well as down into what will be hopefully a dank creepy basement whenever I decide to do down there. Uh, and it also saves me from trying to fit the staircase inside of the building. So this main hall, I really didn't want to mess with the dimensions of the main hall. So having the staircase outside in this round turret uh, really saved me a lot of space inside. Um, and then inside, I was able to add a new hearth. I switched the back wall from uh, the placeholder cobblestone and andesite to deep slate. I still haven't done all the texturing, but it really adds a big... Um, difference inside where you've got this nice andesite and stone brick hearth against a deep slate wall so the hearth really stands out as like this is a focal point of the main hall uh, and then that chimney of course gets put on the outside which breaks up the very flat very monotonous shape of of the rear wall there's going to be some other things i have to add in there i think it's such a tall building i think i'm going to add like flying buttresses and like slightly more gothic stuff to kind of make it look like the wall is going to be held up by other things it is on a cliffside so that's cool it means that i can do some pillars and have them go all the way down maybe to the river i don't know um, that kind of stuff i'm still kind of flying by the seat of my pants and the inside unfortunately suffered a bit of a change when i did add those stone room dormers to the north side the stone part for them to look right actually breaks through into the rafters of the main hall and I, I'm not sure I like the stone coming in and breaking up the dark oak and spruce kind of pattern I had going on. So I'm I'm trying to balance like, what's my priority in this design? Is it the hall? Is it how it looks from the outside? The north side is probably the hardest like face of the building to see. So I had to kind of step back and say, look, I'm putting a lot of work and getting a lot of frustration into this side of the building that is really not going to be seen that much. I'm seeing it because I'm flying around, but if I'm on the ground, you can barely tell that there's something on the roof. So I might have to, to rethink. Um, and then just before I kind of logged off, I ended up doing a, a bit of um, groundwork and trying to figure out where the paths are going to go. And I like where that's going. I really enjoy this stone gate on the main road to a dark paved path. And there's going to be a garden around the back and more gates. And so it's going to feel like someone really 
rich and important or someone that's part of an important guild or or organization lives in this place and that feeling i'm liking it's just that the i'm not sure if you guys experience this but i mean when you've got a good idea or you're trying to fix an add to something and it's just not jiving with the rest of the build i mean impulse you've done some massive builds in hermitcraft when you're adding to them do you ever get that feeling where like you really you like the build but the, the last two hours of work are just not working and even though it's minecraft and you can remove it there's just this annoyance of having to do so yeah <laughs> i mean i i think i've i've developed a reputation for um uh, redoing stuff <laughs> so you know I've, I've had some issues with the statues that i've tried to add outside my my dwarven keep where i've i've just been tweaking them and tweaking them uh constantly and i just can't get happy with it to the point to now i'm just like i'm thinking about just tearing them down completely or going with a completely different like model type for them and seeing if I'm happy. But I got a quick question for you, Joel, if I may. So yeah. it sounds to me like you are doing most of the, the design work of, of the Citadel kind of like live on camera on stream in survival. Are you doing any work on it behind the scenes in like a creative mode or is it all just off the cuff? It's all off the cuff. So everything is live on the weekends on stream. I very rarely even log into Minecraft. Every once in a while, maybe I can't sleep or um, I'll, I'll have a bunch of things that I want to collect or there are, I feel like there's sometimes there's redstone problems that I can't solve live on Twitch and I just need silence in like a couple hours. Uh, but the only time I really log in is for like AFK farming, like collecting copper at a drowned farm or, you know, fixing my gear or leveling up because I need to need to name a bunch of stuff or whatever that happens to be. There's a certain freedom to uh, to build in in survival like that and just off the cuff, like that's how I'm doing my hardcore world. And I've, and I've felt like this is just allowing me to attempt things that I probably wouldn't really attempt elsewhere. And and if it doesn't turn out great, like it's okay. You know, I can be okay with that because it was just kind of done off the cuff. And if I kind of uh, paint myself into a corner with certain things, like you've probably experienced too, I think it felt like you were mentioning that you, you're now presenting yourself a new opportunity to solve a problem, right? Like, Oh yeah. How, you know, I built, I shouldn't have built this in with even number of blocks. I should have built it with odds so I could get an extra arch in or whatever. And then now you got to figure out, okay, what combination of blocks can I use to like still make this look good and that's something that if you were building in creative, you would have just been like, oh, no, I'm just going to cut this, move it over a block, and that fixes my problem. But since you're doing it in survival, you're challenged to now find a different way to approach that scenario. And so um, it's it's got its pros and cons for sure, but I felt a certain amount of freedom. And honestly, I prefer building in survival versus creative. Like, you know, it, it is fun to design things, but I don't get as much satisfaction in the end product, especially when... You build the whole thing in creative and then basically you're just kind of copy pasting it in a way, you know, on, on mm -hmm. the, the server. So uh, that building process the second time around is not even close to as fun as it is the first time. So why not just, you know, do it the first time in, in survival if you're if you're confident uh, with your your skills of designing on the fly. So, yeah, it's been a fun learning process that I've gone through as well. And I, I kind of see some of those same struggles that I've experienced on my hardcore world with some of the things you're mentioning. So I just thought that was interesting. Thanks. Yeah, it uh, it has been a learning curve. And, you know, I look back to earlier builds in this area because I've been in West Hill on the Citadel for almost two years now. And 
early on, it took way more planning to plan out the average house on the street. And now I'm just like, I'm going to build a house here. And just, I just go at it and know roughly from a quick measurement. Yeah, this is nine by seven. I can fit something that's going to look cool here. It's not too small. Like we can, we can work it out. And I have been leaning into some of those, um, we'll say creative bottlenecks that you create for yourself you know where you've decided to put a house here but now you've got to figure out like well how does the path go between these two places or while you're building a house you thought actually i have narrowed this space between these two buildings i could make this a really interesting looking alley i could do something cool with maybe some like gutters or drains or something interesting there and I try to like lean into that. And one of the cool things about this, this mansion build is that there's about six different ways to get around different staircases, different paths. And I like that inside it's functional and that's the kind of thing that I lean into. So I'm trying to prioritize that inside and not sacrifice the outside. And that's why I haven't changed the blocks. Cause I feel the same way that you do about building and creative. I don't do it because I feel like I've done it already. And then when I go to transfer it into survival, I do just feel like I'm copy pasting and I'm not really, Mm-hmm. allowing for much you know i not not creativity but like the randomness like the the, the happenstance ideas that you just kind of get while you're doing stuff um old school you know like in survival the other thing for me is that i'm a perfectionist and doing things live on stream and getting stuck or um just needing to move on so this project doesn't take five years <laughs> is a really good exercise for me just like okay look you know it's good enough and if you are walking around on the ground in survival you can't see this problem <laughs> so put it out of your brain and just let it be because it's a minor minor thing but i do find that when i build in creative i'm always flying up above something and i'm looking at it from a perspective that other players on the server are very seldom going to see it yeah that makes sense i think um we kind of had the same thing on Hermitcraft. So in, in the spawn area, Pearl did uh, uh, like this giant statue. I forget what she called it, but it was one of those things where it's like perspective is everything. Like when you're on the ground and you're looking up at it, um, it's not it's not as impressive as when you're flying in and seeing it and it, like it's whole grandeur, you know. So it, it's it's having that perspective of like understanding what most players will be like what position will they be in when they see your build is actually super important when designing or or building what you're doing because yeah that makes the 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 whole difference like you said like most people aren't going to be seeing the top of a build unless they're just flying over with an elytra and, and that's not typical you know so you don't have to worry about that but what they do see on you know on the ground is they're walking on the pathways and things like that that's where you want to focus on your details and so yeah it's just it's just a good thing to keep in mind i guess for any any builders that are out there trying to get, pick up tips or whatever is like really focus on what are what are the you know if you're on a, a multiplayer server what, what are people going to be focusing on as they pass through is it's smart to think about we'll have uh, plenty more tips for builders coming up i think we have an email from a builder who wanted some some advice on how to uh, avoid comparing yourself to other builders out there and focus on your own style but before we get into chunk mail we've got some news to read so uh, joel why don't you kick us off indeed there is a new minecraft legends trailer officially made its debut at gamescon 2022 The trailer also appeared on the Minecraft YouTube channel. It gives us another look at the world of Minecraft Legends through rendered cinematics and gameplay footage. Also features an adorable badger mob, a few golems from the overworld, and a stone armored piglin that rolls around like boulder. More info about the Minecraft Legends 
game can be found at the Minecraft Legends page on minecraft.net. We'll have all of that linked in our show notes this week. Minecraft Now on August 22 on the YouTube channel for Minecraft featured an episode with the usual mix of developers Q&A, gameplay, community creations, and perhaps most importantly, Lady Agnes announced that Minecraft Live will indeed be returning this year on October 15th. We'll have a link to the timestamp to where Lady Agnes is talking about that in the show notes. We also wanted to share some Twitter activity from Kayla Sara, who shared an update to Bedrock Creator Tools over on Twitter. Uh, the Minecraft Creator Project Manager tweeted an update to the tutorial and maker creator documentation for Bedrock Edition, which includes three YouTube videos going over the basics of modeling, texturing, and animating a new entity in Minecraft Bedrock Edition. There are a couple of really good examples, including an article about how to learn to be a creator over on Minecraft.net and a Microsoft Docs, which uh, takes you through creating a goblin chef entity. And this is all really worth looking at. It's it's really interesting to get a bit of like, you know, professional tips on how the pros do this kind of stuff. If you're interested in tackling a bit of modeling yourself, if you've wondered how to use Blockbench and a few other things, and the animation side of things is also really worth looking at so if you're at all interested in creating that kind of stuff whether for bedrock edition or for other versions of minecraft i think this is really worth a look we'll link that in our show notes as well that's uh, kayla sara over on twitter starting back at the top of the news with a new minecraft legends trailer impulse have you been keeping track of legends are you interested in the game I so when I saw the show notes, uh, I looked at that was the first I heard about it because I haven't been actually keeping up with the Minecraft uh, now stuff that's been going on. So I did miss that, but I did take a look at the the trailer and what kind of stuck out to me was more of the I guess lore behind what they're building with that game. And so it does look Legends looks pretty interesting to me. I especially like the idea of like the overworld mobs uniting together to fight an evil from another dimension. Uh, it kind of gives that Lord of the Rings vibe, which I'm into for sure. So I, I could definitely see myself playing that in the future, maybe just like on a live stream or something. I I don't like I didn't heavily get into dungeons or anything like that. They're just kind of these these kind of side games that are kind of fun to just pick up and uh, and just play just to kind of break things up. And I love the fact that they've kind of, you know, it is Minecraft. So it, it, it has these characters that, that, you know, you know and love. So I'm looking forward to that. It definitely it definitely did seem interesting. Um, so but yeah, that was the first time I saw the trailer. So thanks for thanks for telling me about it, because it does look pretty cool. Yeah, I think Legend is interesting and, and has the same thing Dungeons had where it's a totally different gameplay style. It's a very familiar world, and so the selling point is more just like, oh, hey, you know what a creeper is? Those are in this game too. Mm-hmm. But there's there's clearly like a bit more of an emphasis here on building and creating structures and then destroying structures than there was in Dungeons where the environments felt very static and you were just there to fight the enemies. Um, the enemies are obviously playing a key role here too, but... It's a very different style of gameplay, maybe not something that the average Minecraft player is going to have touched, especially if they are of an age where they grew up playing Minecraft and they haven't really stretched their legs in terms of a variety of games that are out there. Um, So I'm still excited for Legends, and I would like the badger from the trailer in vanilla Minecraft yesterday, please, Uh, because (laughs) I love that badger so much. It's such a cool animation. It's got such, like, character to it. In the same way that they've given character to stuff like piglins and frogs recently, they seem to really have captured an interesting way of animating some of these, which I know this was a cinematic rather than it being 
in game but uh i i kind of pray that they aren't going to put this badger into a mob vote at minecraft live because i don't want a scenario in which we aren't getting cute badges i really <laughs> really like the way they designed this one i like the badger too i really like the animation in the in the cinematics and what i find so cool about that and it's a bit of a bittersweet kind of observation is that everything in the cinematics is still pretty blocky and they're animated so well you kind of wish like man i wish that skeletons and creepers moved just a little bit more like that in minecraft it's not like they have to function any differently or or change the model it's just that if they had a little bit more bounce a little bit more overshoot and settle for anybody that knows their animation terms it just gives things a little bit more life uh and it would feel less 2012 you know in terms of the the way that the animations work in in minecraft right now but i i'm interested to see more gameplay footage we've seen a couple of trailers with like gameplay snippets but the gameplay clips are so fast that i can't really put my finger on exactly what's going on like are you controlling mobs of units like age of empires i feel like you're also controlling your hero unit which has got like the banner i see in a lot of the clips so i feel like you can run around the battlefield and kind of do what you want to contribute but then i feel like also you can direct your team of of mobs to do your bidding i think if it's an rts or similar to an rts then it has that kind of vibe and i apologize i don't remember who i was watching on youtube i watched a lot of gamescom footage this past week and somebody was comparing you know minecraft dungeons to a diablo clone they they were being complimentary they didn't mean it as a, as a negative and then they were also saying like it would be nice if we had a minecraft like a starcraft type game like an rts and that's what they're looking at legends potentially being which made me question i wonder if there will be player versus player like if johnny and i wanted to team up and fight the piglins coming in could we each play uh multiplayer together or could i be the piglins and could i go against johnny and try to keep him from saving the overworld and try to take over with my greed and fire like i just i like the idea of of having an opportunity in a minecraft game to be the bad guys like to be the aggressive mobs as opposed to the passive so that could be kind of fun too you end up with a warcraft kind of dynamic where it's like you can side with the orcs as well as siding with the humans and that's the mm -hmm. thing that that interests me uh if you're interested in finding some games that are kind of similar in terms of what the gameplay looks like from minecraft legends i've been told mountain blade banner lord is a pretty similar kind of vibe although very different graphical style and setting and everything like that it's a lot less cartoony it's a little bit more kind of realistic knights and armor on horseback kind of vibe but it's more of that action strategy you're kind of role-playing as a central hero whilst commanding armies at the same time seems to have a pretty similar vibe so uh yeah maybe worth checking out if you want to see something kind of similar um let's talk minecraft live though because we are you know only a month and a half out now as far as we we've been told from minecraft live returning on october 15th and Agnes went on to say a couple of other things about, you know, setting people's expectations for Minecraft Live. It seems like they will have a new update to announce, but they're also wary of setting expectations, not wanting to overreach people's expectations, not wanting to crush anybody's dreams, but also wanting to live up to the standards people have come to expect of the Minecraft team, which it was important, I think, for them to acknowledge that. Impulse, are you looking forward to Minecraft Live? Yeah, I always do. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was actually kind of surprised. It, it didn't. It felt like a like it's coming quicker than than I expected for some reason. It, it just feels like yesterday the last one happened. You know, we're 
where we were promised fireflies. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, <laughs> don't but bring those see, kinds of opinions on our show. No, 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 no. I don't want to start any drama in the community, <laughs> of course. But um, I, I can see where Lady Agnes is going with that statement. And that was that was what they're trying to avoid, it seems like, is um, coming up with concept art. And then, you know, everybody gets excited about the what they see in the art. And then when they finally sit down and, and try to figure out how do we actually make this work in the game, and all all editions of the game as well, which is a new uh, thing they have to worry about. You know, it just didn't come together as, as they had thought, and so they're trying to avoid those pitfalls. But as far as Minecraft Live goes, I'm I'm always excited to to uh, see what they're going to be doing in the next update. I think that's the most exciting thing about it is just to see what direction they're taking. I don't I necessarily feel like I need details uh, about you know every block they're going to add or every new mob they're going to add or anything like that. I just want to know like what's their focus going to be. You know, is it going to be an inventory update finally? Or, you know, is it going to be a new dimension? Or what is it going to be? And that's the piece that's really exciting. I will, however, say I definitely miss, like, the in-person Minecon-style events. Um, you know, before the pandemic hit, they were planning on making a return uh, to the point that I was, like, ready to buy tickets and ready to book an Airbnb and all that stuff. And then the pandemic hit and they had to cancel it. So I've been looking forward to, you know, that coming back. You know, as the pandemic starts to slow down, obviously uh, they chose to do another uh, virtual one because we, I guess we're, you know, they didn't maybe didn't feel like we're, we're there yet ready to have an in-person event. And I'm um, just hoping sometime in the next year or two, they will make a return because I'd love to, uh, you know, kind of view or hang out with my hermits and, and, and hang out with some some viewers and, and that kind of stuff and just kind of meet people in person. Those events really did kind of like help re-inspire me because getting a chance to like see the people that watch your content face to face and um you know and and sign autographs and things like that it just it just really like jazzed me as a creator to to want to do even more because now i've put you know actually human faces to uh you know the the views the the numbers that it, that you see so yeah hoping hoping that returns soon but definitely still looking forward to a virtual event and i'm uh, yeah excited to see what the devs got in store for us yeah, I, I want to second that. I'm definitely looking forward to the return of in-person events. I got to go to one very small kind of thing that they did sort of out of the middle of nowhere in London in 2017. And that one flew under the radar. Not a huge amount of people ended up going, but I met a couple of the devs there, a couple of the Mojang team. And like, it was it was really cool. Like, and, and I was still relatively small time back then. So it'd be really different going to it now. And maybe even us going there as a podcast or, you know, going there just to hang out with people I've collaborated with virtually, but never had the chance to meet in person. I used to do a fair amount of live events, uh, when most of my work was still art and comic based. And because I've shifted now to online content, I don't have the opportunity to do that as much. Uh, it's, um, and plus obviously the, you know, the different changes in world and travel and everything else the last three years. Uh, but I'm looking forward to something like that. I think it was in set for Miami or somewhere in Florida, Orlando, I think uh, so, in yeah. 2020 was the, so that's, and that's, I mean, it's a, it's a hike for you, Johnny, but it's not terribly <laughs> far for, for me, uh, as far as Halifax international goes, I think that's a direct flight to Florida. So it wouldn't mm. be. Uh, too difficult at all uh the difficult part would be getting me on a plane yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's the only part about travel that does not excite me is is the air part of it 
Uh, as before, you can expect the Spawn Chunks will likely be covering Minecraft Live as we've done in the years past. Uh, we'll be summarizing, discussing the announcement live, probably on Twitch. Uh, and then the following Monday, we usually do like a recap when we've had a little bit more time to parse the information and get some feedback from our community and like discuss emails and things like that. So you can look forward to that near and around October 15th. For now, let's move on to Chunk Mail. If you'd like to email the show, you can uh, send an email to spawnchunkmail at gmail.com keep them short keep them sweet and johnny will read the first one yes thank you so much to everybody who sent in emails for the show obviously we couldn't cram in too many of them but a few of them were directed to impulse as well so we've tried to cherry pick a few of those that'll make for a fun and interesting discussion this first one comes in from big hippo with the subject of creative designing Hypix, Joel, and Impulse. I know people tend to use build tutorials for various projects in Minecraft, from buildings to redstone farms. In the past, you've talked about how you get inspiration for builds and strategies for designing builds by yourself. However, as a player that likes to do things himself, it is always hard for me to design redstone machines on my own. How do you guys design redstone machines on your own? What are some tips for someone like me that would like to come up with my own designs? Thanks for an awesome podcast. Big Hippo didn't die because he was in creative single-player world trying to make a piston door. <laughs> I don't know if this was still the case back when we first had you on the show, Impulse, but uh, people tend to sign off their emails with death messages like they've just died in Minecraft, and uh, <laughs> I, I feel like it's always a, a nice change when somebody doesn't die at the end of an email, so <laughs> that's... Uh, something we always have to prime our guests for it's going to get a little macabre mid-show but it's it's fine <laughs> okay. um so so talk us through your process for creating a redstone contraption you've obviously created i think some of the more iconic redstone circuits out there or popularized them at least thinking of item filters primarily but of course there's a, a whole bunch of stuff that goes beyond that um how do you begin that process and what have you learned over your years working with redstone yeah, so yeah, Redstone obviously is how I, I really got into the game. Uh, just understanding that, you know, oh, I can automate things and it is kind of an engineer at heart. That's what drew me to the game. And so the first thing I did was was to, like the email said, copy, copy people, right? Like, like just build, just go get a tutorial, build it piece by piece. But I didn't just build it and use it. It was the process that I took with every single thing that I was doing, you know, following a tutorial for was, okay, so they, they did th this comparator into an observer and then into this piston. Why? Why? What is that? What does that do? And each, like, thing I could break down to, oh, okay, so this is creating, you know, a one tick pulse, or this is actually going to extend the signal. Oh, I see. These comparators, they, they have this signal. If you watch them, it drains out slowly, so now you can kind of delay um, a signal dying or whatever. And so it started to identify like the, the pieces that were inside these redstone contraptions that other people were designing and then understanding like, oh, okay, so when I have my own problem I want to solve, I start to break it down into the parts. Okay, I need to have this piston move that and then this over here happens and then you break down like the flow and one by one started to kind of take those components that I had learned about from other people's contraptions and see how I could fit them in right and then kind of go about it to where you know okay i got one piece let me just test that one piece you know i put it even if i have to put a lever on it and manually do it and then go to the next piece and put a lever on it and manually do it to see if they work before i connect everything together um i just kind of build things in pieces so yeah i guess just leveraging 
you know, kind of the the brain power that exists out there, right? Because there's a lot of really really smart people out there, and um, yeah, way smarter than I'll ever be. So it's it's kind of nice to like take things that they've figured out and just really try to understand those individual components. And then once you kind of have like it's like a tool belt, right? Like you've got all these little these tools all in your tool belt. And when you go to build something, you know, okay, now I need my screwdriver, now I need my hammer, you know, but in redstone components, we're talking like, you know, pulse limiters and in, in, in length and, you know, extenders and things like that. So, yeah, that's kind of how I do it. I just break down the, the problem that I'm trying to solve and then figure out what pieces I need to put in play and connected to make it work. Yeah, I think a lot of it can be learned from existing tutorials in the first place. Like, it's always difficult seeing that blank canvas problem where you're in a creative flat world, you're placing down your first repeater, and then your brain just goes blank, and you're like, wait, what am I doing here exactly? What am I trying to accomplish? And I think it's most important to, like, start by identifying your end goal. What do you actually want this circuit to do? Because I used to get stuck figuring out redstone because... I knew I wanted to use it, I'd seen redstone, it looked cool, but I didn't know what I wanted to use it for. And it only really started to click for me when I focused on stuff like resource farms, a lot of which have very little actual redstone in them if you're talking about stuff that just exploits like mob spawning mechanics and gets them all to die easily. Like, they have a pretty clear end result and a lot of the redstone circuitry can be pretty small. So starting with stuff like that where you have a very clear benefit to the player in survival and that kind of stuff I think really works as a, a gateway to doing more complex redstone stuff. And circuits which aren't farms can still be fairly small and have a pretty clear end result. Like your item filters, I've been building block swappers around all of my storage so that they just pull one block out of the way and push another block into place so that I can see what's stored in each chest and then have that retract so it doesn't distract from the overall aesthetic of a build. Those are pretty easy to understand. They are small enough that you can kind of muddle through them in creative. And if worse comes to worst, you can look up what somebody else has done and then just try and figure out why it does what it does. And the thing to remember is that larger redstone systems, when you're looking at, like, the stuff that Doc M's been building on Hermitcraft this week, the sort of, it, like, wild things that just end up with tree farm output. You know, he's, he's, he's built this giant redstone machine just so it can output wood logs reliably. Um, like, they're all made up of smaller components, and those are, like pieces on a circuit board they all chain together for the desired effect but each thing is like a resistor or a capacitor or a switch or something like that and so starting small like you said understanding simple redstone circuits and behavior then building up two larger contraptions is an approach that works you you start to build that foundation of knowledge that means you can design your own stuff a little easier later on i think some of the things that unfortunately for beginners get a lot of spotlight on places like youtube are the big machines you know the doc m the mumbo jumbo you know triple quadruple piston door of doom or whatever you know is going on and those can be quite intimidating uh you can find tutorials uh out there i think logical geek boy has one where they've not really made a redstone build they're just going over the various components and breaking down what they do what are their basic uses what are their most common uses that really helped me because uh toughing it out in minecraft without looking at anything it's really frustrating because minecraft really doesn't give you a whole lot in terms of in-game knowledge as to what 
you know, the components do. I guess your next best friend would be the the wiki. But again, as we've said many times in the show, um, we happen to be visual Redstone learners, not, I can't read a paragraph about a Redstone circuit and understand how to build it and go and do it myself. Uh, my education has come more from adapting these big farms. You know, when I look for Wither Skeleton Farm or I look for Cactus Farm, I ultimately find this gargantuan thing on YouTube by someone like El Mango. And I think like, well, that's cool. I like the mechanic. I think I understand how it works, but my gosh, do I not need 40,000 cactus an hour, you know, on the server for just me. So I found um, a good part of my education was taking something that was like that, that was massive and learning how it worked so I could then make my own at a much smaller scale, but still have the efficient mechanic. So I knew how it would work, but then I could design it as something smaller. Or sometimes I would just copy the build as it was because maybe the output was fine, but I need to explode it to uh, a larger footprint or move things around because I wanted to make the redstone look pretty. I wanted to add like pillars and trapdoors and and decorative stuff around it and lights. Uh, and I find that decorating my redstone has helped me really understand what the components are doing because so often on online, you'll find people trying to make everything in a redstone build as compact as possible. And then you're looking at like six observers, a couple of note blocks and uh, a, a hopper and uh, a hopper minecart, And you're going like, everything is in like a two by three space. And I have no idea what any of it does, but if you can kind of space it out sometimes when you're trying to make it look nice, uh, I find that it it inherently allows you to understand as Impulse was saying, like what things are doing and, and how they're actually interacting with one another. I think we covered that pretty comprehensively. <laughs> Good job, team. Cool. Uh, let's move on to our second email. Next email comes in from Rakdos42, being a good builder. Hi, Johnny, Joel, and Impulse. First time writer, long time listener, and avid fan of the show. I enjoy hearing about the Citadel and the long-term projects. I am a working adult as well with little time to play, so I try cramming a lot of Minecraft things into a single weekend. I often feel defeated when I scroll through YouTube or Twitter and see builders in impossible creative leagues I feel I will never reach. How do you all feel comfortable with your builds and not compare your abilities with other creators? Sincerely, Rakdos42, who became paralyzed with indecision on a block pallet and signed off. I feel called out <laughs> by the block palette comment. I, I haven't signed off, but I have definitely been just like self-conscious on Twitch, trying to figure out the right blocks for something, feeling like these people have watched me replace these blocks like seven times. <laughs> and they're just like, what are you doing? Uh, I, I've, I definitely, that hit home, I think, Rectos, that hit home. Uh, Impulse, I know that imposter syndrome was something that came up on the Imp and Skiz podcast lately. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to toss this to you in sure. terms of, you know, the, tr the circles that you travel in, uh, in the YouTube sphere and the Minecraft sphere. Uh, have you ever experienced this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Still do. Uh, Rakdos, I hate to say it, it may never go away completely. Um, but uh, yeah, imposter syndrome is, is definitely something I experience from time to time. And it's that it's that comparison uh, thing, right? Uh, I like this quote that, that I didn't know about until Mumbo said it, but it, comparison is the thief of joy, right? So you start to look around and you're like, oh my gosh, like even, you know, the stuff that, that uh, I see pixel riffs, you're, 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 the, the, we were just talking about your gate and everything. I'm like, wow, that's super good. I don't think I could do that. You know, um, you, you get that whenever you're you're comparing yourself to others, you're going to feel uh, a little inadequate at times and have that imposter syndrome. But I can tell you that there are ways to 
to improve that and and to make sure that it doesn't happen as often or you don't feel as um you know in equal uh, to to somebody else's that just building just keep building that's that's what you have to do like a repetition like the and kind of taking inspiration from those things that you see you know they mentioned like oh we go to twitter they see these things and it's like all oh, these impossible feats but it, it doesn't have to be impossible right you can you can just take inspiration from these things you see and then just just try it yourself and kind of build your own style with that and just take inspiration and and so what i've done and I still don't consider myself a good builder, and I, my audience gets mad at me when I say that. But um, is is I just kind of like created my own style. Like I know these these make me feel good, and a lot of times it's symmetrical, which people don't like. But um, you know, I, I I like symmetry. I like um, like a modern. Typically, I like building modern. I'm more comfortable with that. This season, I did try to push myself into building something not modern, you know, like the Dwarven Keep has definitely got a different vibe to it than my typical, like, uh, you know, season, what was it, seven, I had that, like, modern-looking pyramid-type base, you know, that's that's where my comfort zone is, Um, so I've been trying to push myself outside my comfort zone, but it it takes it just takes repetition right like just just place blocks and see what feels good and do that over and over again until you kind of create your own style that you feel comfortable with and then try to avoid that comparison you know that's i think that's my best advice is because i don't i don't you know i don't think i'm ever going to be as good as pearl or b-dubs and that's fine like like that's fine i have my own style and they have theirs and and uh, i've gotten better you know if you're going to if you're going to do comparison compare yourself to yourself Right. I compare my builds mm-hmm. um, that I do today to my builds that I did five years ago. And guess what? I've gotten better. I can say that confidently. And that takes away some of the imposter syndrome vibes that, that happen when you compare yourself to others. So uh, that's my advice, I guess. Yeah, I think that's that's really good advice. Focus on personal growth rather than how much everybody else is going to be growing around you because there are going to be people who, again, like weren't as good builders back when you started, but then like as the the years go on and you're comparing yourself to the same people, you might find that they've really kind of pulled ahead. Um, I think one of, one of the key things to remember is that most of the content you're seeing shared online is going to be from people who have more time to play Minecraft than you, especially if you're looking at full-time YouTubers. Like, they're putting eight hours a day into Minecraft a lot of the time, possibly even more. It's It's a job. And like any hobbyist, you probably wouldn't expect to keep up with the professionals like i enjoy cycling i'm not about to race anybody you know i'm not gonna go and challenge somebody to a to a race so um i i think that's the most important thing is to look inward a little bit and try and focus on your own development i was making youtube videos for three or four years and that was really like you know hand in hand with me playing minecraft and it was three or four years before I thought, oh, hey, I'm a somewhat competent builder now. Like, I, I've realized that building is really a, an aspect of the game that I like to focus on. And I think part of that is still acknowledging that there is room to grow. You're not stopping where you are right now. You're going to keep improving if you keep doing it. Um, that said, like, part of watching other builders is learning technique, and it's a really valuable way of doing it. You can you know stumble upon that stuff on your own or you can kind of play around with the express purpose of trying to find the right combinations of blocks or like things that you've never seen used before as like a small detail but you're going to maybe learn that faster if you treat 
going to YouTube and looking at exciting builds and stuff almost like a class you're there to learn you're not there to surpass your teacher right away at least uh, so take small lessons from them where you can like try and find that one part about that build that you just like leaps out at you as something you've never seen anybody do before and then think how you can use that yourself and part of now that i'm doing youtube stuff full-time like part of that as a full-time job is doing research whether that's from other minecraft builders you look into real life building techniques if you think that will help for the stuff that you're recreating in the game or maybe just scroll google image searches looking for cool architecture but you can find that research really focuses your efforts and gives you one thing to really work towards instead of treating it like an exercise in looking at what everybody else is doing following trends and then realizing that either that's not the kind of thing that you want to build or it feels like it's above your pay grade right now you will grow you will learn from that and i think giving yourself something to focus on in the meantime is really important i like the advice of breaking down those really cool inspirational builds that you might see on twitter or youtube into their individual parts because once you realize that that cool dormer or that cool pillar is just like fence posts and fence gates and an upside down stair you're like wait a minute this looks cool because there's 200 of these but if i look at it as an individual thing that's something i could do and uh i know that we've talked a lot about like personal style and building up those kind of like things that are in your back pocket and my experience comes from being an artist for 20 years where you know when you first start out you're you're emulating people that you look up to and eventually when you put in the time you just kind of develop your own style there's a, a famous quote out there that is you know good artists borrow great artists steal and the idea behind that is that you know you'd see a bunch of art that you like for me let's say it's cartoons and comic strips like calvin and hobbs zits uh, maybe some Disney animation here and there. And I liked all of it. And I ultimately kind of took like the way that the nine old men at Disney drew hands and folded that into my comic work. And then I liked the imagination and the, and the brushwork in Calvin and Hobbes. So I borrowed that and brought that into my work. And you can do the same thing with Minecraft. You know, you can take little bits that you like. Um, and remember that everyone that is doing these things, you know, people like Pearlescent Moon that Impulse mentioned or uh, Whip who's on... Um, empires with with pixel riffs they have inspiration too right they're not just pulling this stuff out of thin air uh whip has got a fantastic pinterest board that not only has some minecraft reference but also has illustration reference and photographic reference and architectural reference and things that he uses to interpret you know that um that shape or that building into minecraft and i think that that's helpful for a lot of people i mean me as an artist i can sometimes take for granted going into Minecraft, visualizing something, I can see it nearly finished in my head and I can just go and do it. And there's not a lot of Minecraft people that or players that can do that. They, they need a little bit more instruction or they need to have a, a, a more of a solid plan uh, or have a picture next to them and say like, okay, I need to recreate this. I need to start somewhere. But as you do that, as you put in the time, you will, uh, start to pocket these little things like now you know how to do a chimney now you know how to do a specific kind of pointy roof or now you know how to do a certain type of window or whatever it is that you're building that you like you know maybe you're building statues or more organic shapes whatever it is that you're doing 
And that will just build up over time. I remember it happened when I was cartooning. Like all of a sudden I would have hand positions I would know by heart. I wouldn't have to look up reference. I would be able to look, draw all kinds of household objects that I would have to previously look up, but like coffee cups and French presses and kettles. Like I knew how to draw all of it because I'd just done it over and over again when I was drawing a comic strip. Uh, and so I'd say just be consistent with it. It sounds like you're liking to play Minecraft every weekend. You know, you're in there, you're, you're cramming in some work. Um, don't feel too pressured, you know, like take your time with it and enjoy it. And I think that once you start to put in the time, um, you'll discover that, you know, comparing your work now to your work, then you'll end up feeling much better about the whole imposter syndrome thing. Good luck out there, folks. Uh, and now we get to turn to our main discussion for the week, which is, of course, the return of Impulse SV. Uh, last time we saw Impulse Hermitcraft was in Season 6. Content creation was still a part-time... I won't say hobby, it was a part-time job for you. Uh, bees didn't exist in the game yet. We've come <laughs> a long way, is what I'm saying. Wow. So um, we had a bunch of questions, a few submitted via email, a few of our own. Um, we'll probably try and mix it up between the Hermitcraft related stuff and stuff related to your ongoing journey as a uh, content creator. Um, but let's, let's start with uh, another question from email, because Joel, I know you've got a couple of those written down. So Recently, uh, you've moved into doing full-time content creation, and uh, Enki, a landscape artist member of our community, wanted to know at what point you realized you wanted to do full-time content creation, and how receptive were your friends and family to this change? Yeah, that's an easy one. So I I was working a full-time job at a you know Fortune 500 company and and doing exactly what I went to school for, and I actually quite enjoyed what I was doing in my you know eight to five. Monday through Friday job. And then, you know, the whole YouTube thing was kind of a, a side hobby slash side hustle at some point, it, you know, started making a little bit of money, but uh, it still was just something I did on the side. And I think I got to a certain point to where that job that I've been working for, you know, 15 plus years and was enjoying, I, I realized I actually enjoyed creating content more than that like when that that finally you know when it was like okay do i do this work or do i do i make some content and if i had the choice i would choose content over you know doing my my day job and i was like oh okay so i i think i think i would rather be doing that now i should look at at what point can i afford to just do that and being a content creator is scary you know because there's this whole concept of this could all go away overnight you know uh 15 minutes of fame is is a, is a, a scary thought and so i had to kind of think ahead and, and think okay so if i am going to make sure that i can still uh support my family and and all that i need to make sure that i'm in a in a good enough place that that it'll be okay and so i told myself before i ever like pull the trigger if you will of, of going full-time content creation i want to make sure that i i have enough money saved up that if if things did just you know thanos snap on me and, and I, i'm not a content creator tomorrow that i could have you know enough buffer financially to basically support my family for at least a year um, before I would have to seriously think about like, what's my next step in life. Um, so that was it financially. I, I made sure that I had that savings. Um, and then as far as that went, it's, you know, telling my family, you know, Hey, this is something I really want to do. They were super supportive, but, um, you know, here in America, 
health insurance is is a huge thing, you know. And so to work for a, a great company like I work for, uh, I realize I'm going to have to go from from their insurance to private insurance, where I, you know, I have three kids and a wife and and all that. Um, that part was definitely scary, and I've been lucky so far because I haven't had to deal with that just yet. Uh, I made a kind of a deal with my company that I've been working with forever to still be kind of a, a side contractor for now. And I haven't lost my benefits because of that. So uh, that is something I will be dealing with in the future. But I think that was the only like real thing that at least my wife was like really hesitant on. Like, what about health insurance? We have such good health insurance. You're going to lose that. And we'll have to figure that out. But um, yeah, they were really supportive. They knew this was something that I wanted to do. Uh, they could see that I was uh, happier when I was creating content versus working the other job. And once that shift happened, they knew this was something that I needed to pursue and they were behind me 100%. Nice. So how long have you actually been full time? Because I think I, I remember the announcement. Was it sometime in Hermitcraft season eight or was it just before that? It was towards the end of season eight um, that I yeah. made the announcement. So I I kind of did a test run of being a full time content creator. So the, it, the water is a little muddy, but uh, I had what they call a sabbatical do uh at my my job so the really cool feature or benefit of this company i work for is every seven years they give you two months off and and that's just to kind of like recharge your batteries well i'd been there for 15 years so i i was due for my second one um and i decided you know what i'm going to do i'm going to take this two months and instead of like you know going on cruises and vacations with my family which i'm sure they didn't appreciate that piece but uh, i'm going to see what life is like as a full-time content creator you know every day i'm going to get up i'm going to create content you know that eight to five you know space that i usually ha work that job i'm instead going to make videos or stream on twitch or whatever and it was during those two months that uh, i could really see the advantages of putting in the full time. I could see, you know, all the all the things that helped me would stay afloat as a full timer. You know, sub counts on Twitch, views on uh, on YouTube, and, and all that. They all just went up. Uh, more content going out means more views, means more more money. Um, and so I was like, oh, okay. So if I was to do this full time, I could probably support my family and we'd be okay. You know, I can keep a roof over their head and food on the table. And so I went back to work um, for a few months after my sabbatical was over. And, you know, that that really kind of nailed it and put the nail in the coffin for me because I realized I wasn't I wasn't happy doing that work anymore. And so I just told my boss, I was like, look, here's the deal. And I broke it down to my boss. I actually told my boss what I do, <laughs> which was scary because nobody at my company knew that I was doing this. Um, so I told my boss, I was like, look, I'm a content creator. I have this many subscribers and I'm getting, you know, and I do all this stuff. And he was just blown away. And I was like, I need to I need to pursue this passion. And he was he was with me. Um, and he's like, I don't want to lose you. And so we kind of held on to this, like, oh, we'll keep you around in case, you know, one day a week, maybe if, if we need you type thing. And then that gives you the uh, ability to keep the benefits. And so it was like perfect. So it was long story short, it was February. So six months ago um, and change uh, was when I actually pulled the trigger and went for full time content creation. Nice. Yeah. Well, um, long may it continue as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it's it's Thanks. great that your employer had your back as well. Like, it's not mm -hmm. just that your friends and family are supportive of it, but to have an employer that you've got such a good relationship with that you can go to them and say, I've actually been a Minecraft YouTuber basically <laughs> this whole time, and now I want to take that to the next level. And it speaks to what you were saying in episode two of your podcast with Skiz, where you were just saying, like, you know, you, you just went after it. Like, this was something that you knew was going to be it was a side hustle for a while. It was a place that you were happy. And 
like it was gonna make you as much money as your job if you were able to like put your heart and soul into it like you you go after that stuff mm-hmm. and i i made the switch to doing stuff full-time a while back but back then i wasn't getting paid a huge amount for doing like i was effectively doing a part-time job i was doing remote work so i was getting more from youtube and twitch streaming and stuff than i was from my job then anyway and then that escalated when survival guide took off to a point where i was like the other job feels like pocket change now because it's only a part-time income and that's a weird situation to be in but i kind of came at it from the opposite angle of like i'm still in an unstable place and a youtube career weirdly feels like the most stable option for me (laughs) at this point but then you know i don't have a a, an entire family to support it's just me and my partner so i can understand it being a uh a a difficult decision and especially with the health insurance thing but yeah how great that your employer was like yes we're going to support you through this we'll we'll give you a a back door into you know work if it doesn't work out for you Mm -hmm. and it seems to have gone from strength to strength for you since so that's really great to see yeah thanks yeah i was grateful for that for sure We've got another question from our chunk mail from Josie Black. Uh, more on the gameplay side of things. Now that you're a full-time content creator, what is the thing in your day, in the day-to-day life, that you get inspiration from for new content on your Minecraft journey? I don't know if there's a specific thing, but I can tell you one, one of the downsides of uh, being a content creator is it like never shuts off. <laughs> so even mm-hmm. when it's like the end of the day, I'm just chilling on the couch with my wife watching whatever is on TV because you just want to kind of veg out and, and relax. Like she'll turn on like some sort of game show or something. And immediately my brain starting to go, how could I turn this game show into something cool in Minecraft? <laughs> and it's like, so it never shuts off or, or even like she'll turn on a movie or something. And, and I just look at the set of the movie and I'm like, man, that would be cool as a base or, or something. You know, you start to just like pull things from everywhere because your brain just never shuts down as a content creator. So, I mean, even even like inspiration from for my dwarven stuff came from a movie right lord of the rings which we can talk about later but um yeah it just inspiration's everywhere and being a content creator never stops so i pull from whatever whenever however all the time we can talk about lord of the rings now because uh when i was watching the trailer for rings of power and that's starting really soon like that's coming out basically yes. the first week of september i think oh, right? i'm excited for that one i think it's the 19th i think johnny oh, oh is it okay I, th- I thought it was earlier than that i think they're doing like advanced screenings of a couple of episodes at specific locations or something i, f- I forget where i read it but but like uh i saw the trailer for that and my brain was first of all instantly like nerd tolkien brain firing in all cylinders going oh this looks really cool and like they've really nailed it with the aesthetic of some of these shots and it looks so epic but then i start they start showing you scenery and massive cities around like a harbor and everything and then elf buildings and i'm like man (laughs) this is a lot of really cool production design that makes for some very good minecraft inspiration Mm -hmm. so how hyped are you for that show and talk to us about the tolkien inspiration going into hermitcraft season nine yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for that because um, I, I got into Lord of the Rings, you know, I, I, a while back I just watched it, right, and just kind of saw the movies and, and it was cool. But um, I, it really struck me when I was preparing for a live stream uh, that I was going to be doing for charity uh, last year. I'd, I'd kind of rewatched the movies and it was at that point in time where I was like, 
there's some stuff in here that if I was to build that in Minecraft, it would be really cool. And so I pulled some inspiration from that, and it ended up uh, with me this season being a, uh, you know, a dwarf and building inside of a mountain and um, and kind of getting that that whole vibe that was inspired by Lord of the Rings. So yeah, I definitely dove headfirst into that. So yeah, I'm excited about the the new series coming out. Do you think there's? Are you going to hang on for that show and see if there's any dwarven stuff that you can keep taking um, inspiration from? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be stealing everything I can. Yes, yeah, a great yeah. artist. Like, would you say steals? Yeah, that's me. Feasting yeah. holes and stuff. Like, uh, there's there's also another video game coming out pretty soon, uh, or, or maybe it's like next year. But they're starting to roll out trailers for it, which is all set after the events of lord of the rings basically like the final war against sauron or whatever and it's the dwarves going back to reclaim moria like they go back and they they start to like kick the goblins out of Khazad-dum and rebuild the dwarf empire from there and i i follow a guy who's uh, like a tolkien scholar and he's consulting on this game and keeps tweeting really excited stuff about it and it's going to be more of like a um like a valheim kind of style game is probably the closest thing i can compare it to so i'm I'm keeping my eye on that as well for like again aesthetics beyond anything else but also yeah like looks like some some fun gameplay thrown in there as well that's super cool yeah it sounds like something i'd definitely be able to take some inspiration from i always look forward to that I know on Hermitcraft this season, there's a fair amount of special items like your dwarven axe and the beard that you mm-hmm. have on your on your character for the skin. I think there's elven cookies. Um, all of that stuff is made possible with custom mods on Hermitcraft. And I'm wondering, like, as far as, you know, using that stuff to inspire, you know, viewers and to inspire yourselves, is there a lot of back and forth behind the scenes on Hermitcraft as to what is like too far versus like keeping things as close to vanilla? Because it's technically kind of build as like a, a vanilla-esque or a vanilla plus minecraft experience for hermitcraft right right yeah we've we've always wanted to try to stick as close to vanilla as possible just because it, it, when you when you deviate it, it kind of alienates your viewers as well because they they're going how come i don't have this stuff you know and, and my when i fire up minecraft that doesn't exist there's no elven cookies what the heck is going on here and they're confused right so we we do try to stick to vanilla but um, you know, at the same time, we've been doing this for a long time, you know, <laughs> like season nine, and we'd like to be able to shake things up a little bit to help us uh, better create, you know, some lore and some storylines and things like that. And, and giving us a little bit of flexibility in this space has helped, you know, as far as, you know, me, me turning into a dwarf. I thought, you know what, if I was actually had like a full blown beard and look like a dwarf, like that would be much cooler, you know, and if I and I think I just mentioned it in passing in one of my episodes is like, I wish I had a cool battle axe to go with my and then next thing I know, I'm like, oh, I can actually model that I can get that modeled, you know, and, um, you know, that as far as like okay so then how does that get into discussion with hermits about like what's too far that came up it 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 definitely came up like the first model of my battle axe was like very very detailed uh to the point to where it didn't look minecrafty at all and you know i didn't i didn't really think much of it i i like i i don't see things from the standpoint of like oh that's that's not vanilla it's it's going to alienate the viewers you know i didn't feel that way but then when i posted it 
and like the Hermitcraft Discord, like, hey, here's the battle axe I'm wanting to get added. There was a little bit of like, uh, <laughs> that's like not blocky enough, you know, and I didn't quite understand, you know, that doesn't feel Minecraft vanilla enough. And so we did go back and forth with a couple of revisions before like all the hermits were like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, that, that, you know, it has got some detail like you wanted, but it's, it's also still like within the realm of what we're looking for and we had to kind of establish like what that meant we don't have like black and white rules as far as creating textures but now we kind of have like a hey if you're thinking about doing a model post it here and uh, you know we'll all kind of take a look and see if it feels okay uh, so we did have to kind of come up with a system to where we would at least have that kind of check ourselves moment before we just threw stuff in because, yeah, we, we don't want to alienate our viewers any more than we already have by being vanilla plus, right? But yeah. also we got to walk that line of like, okay, we, we still want to add this cool stuff that can create better storylines and, and things like that. So, yeah, we're, 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 still, we're still learning. Like this whole custom texture thing is something that we, we started doing like season eight. Um, and then try and, we're just trying to find our way with it still. And I think we're getting there. Yeah, let's talk a little about season eight because it was a much shorter season. We're, we're kind of going back through a time and sooner or later we'll connect with where you were at in episode 60. Uh, but uh, <laughs> with Hermitcraft season eight, it was much shorter. It was really ambitious in terms of the scale of projects everybody was working on to the point where I think a lot of people took a break after season eight before season yeah. nine started because people were getting burnt out. But there was a bigger focus on like larger thematic builds and storytelling. And you were kind of lighter on the storytelling side, but it was all focused around the Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, how did that go? What did you learn from the experience aside from the kind of custom item stuff? Like, what did you learn about yourself as a as a builder and how you wanted to focus your content from there? Well, I, I learned that I'm, I'm really, really good at biting off more than I can chew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, when we, when we decided that we were going to do a shorter season just to try to fit in between the Minecraft updates and, and have the seasons flow um with the new update that was coming out it, we knew we were going to do a shorter season but i had already kind of decided like i want to do this willy wonka chocolate factory it's something that i had had in my mind for a while there was like a, a anniversary coming up um for from the for the movie or whatever and i just felt like the time was right and i was like okay so we're looking at maybe maybe eight months of this season uh I think I can do it. I think I can go for it. I'm I'm taking these couple months of being full time and and all this stuff and and so I was like, okay, I'm gonna go for it. And I did like the idea of having some lore behind the build, you know. And I tried I tried to I figured you know okay, this is a shorter season. Uh, we are experimenting in some some aspects of the way that we're doing this season and in, in our content. Um, so I'm going to try this lore thing a little bit because I know that's this popular, uh, especially like Dream SMP. You know, they were really popular with their lore and it, it mm -hmm. obviously did well for them. So I kind of wanted to see how that would play into some Hermitcraft. And, and Scar had been really successful with giving uh, some putting lore behind his builds, but he did it in a in a specific way that I think made more sense than than what I had tried to do. Um, but I figured, you know, experimental season, let's go for it. So, you know, pretending that that <laughs> Willy Wonka had come to me and said, I need to rebuild the factory and and that he was going to keep an eye on me and all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I was going to recreate these iDimpy bars. And, and that was another thing when I first introduced the iDimpy bar. Um, the texture on that one was was a little too detailed and we had to backtrack it a little bit. Um, so again, another learning with this texture stuff. But uh, I did I did start to get into some some role play and to the point to where I was I, I made another discovery. 
I'm a terrible actor. <laughs> Do so. the same. I feel you. Yes. Finally, so. terrible actors recognize yourselves. <laughs> yes, Look so. inwards. So it, it was it was good learning for me. I tried it. You know, I mean, you got to You got to take some shots, right? You got to swing for the fences sometimes. And then you're not always going to hit a home run. Um, and I felt like some of that stuff fell a little flat, fell a little short. And, and I learned and some of it was cringy and and all that. And that's fine, you know, because at the end of the day, that's what the season was for was for us to try something new and learn from it. And, you know, people may say, you know, season eight wasn't wasn't great or whatever. But for us, it really was because we learned so much about ourselves and about how we want to play this game moving forward. And we took that into season nine. So it was it was a great experience. I, I'm I'm grateful for season eight, even though it was short, even though I didn't finish the inside of the factory, even though I had some cringe moments, uh, I would never take that back because it's made me better moving forward. Yeah, and what you've landed on is some lore that you can feel comfortable with. You're like, I'm a dwarf and I'm building this stuff underground and I've got the beard and I've got the battle mm-hmm. axe, but I don't have to like turn up to somebody and be like, why are you so tall? Like right. you can <laughs> you can kind of draw a line at a certain point. Everybody knows you're still impulse and they don't have to like act a certain way around you, which that kind of social contract is like really weird when you're getting into a role play heavy situation on a server when you're not really a role player. Right. Um so so that's that's always a lot of fun um but the, one of the other things you're doing on hermitcraft 9 right now is you're creating this big old industrial district and that's something you've obviously done in previous seasons as well i think the last season you really went like ham for that stuff was season seven because you <laughs> set out to build this giant redstone lamp wall and every lamp represented a farm and you were like we're going to farm every resource it's possible to farm in this version of minecraft mm-hmm. um were there any of those that you just put off because they're a pain in the butt and have you started to tackle any of those on season nine yet or are you yeah. still like putting off any of them that was my what i call it the phineas board where yeah mm-hmm. it, it was it was kind of like if you've seen what green's doing uh recently is he's got this content generator thing going on so where you can Rumble, go and press a yeah. button it'll tell you what to do and i was trying to capture that with this phineas board where i could just go to it press the button and it's like today you're going to build a carrot farm and i'm like okay cool i like you know farming it's always like my comfort zone in minecraft so I was like, okay, I'm just going to, anytime I'm like stuck, because it happens, you know, it's stuck. What do I do next? I can just have this thing decide for me. So I put up this board. There was 55 different farms I came up with. And that's, that's not all the farms in Minecraft. There's even more. But those are the ones that I put on there. And I think after the season was done, I got 33 of them done. So roughly about 60% or so. And, pretty good. Uh, yeah, not bad, not bad. But, you know, I'm a completionist, so I'm always kind of sad when I don't finish something, <laughs> like the inside of my factory. But, um, yeah, I mean, there were some things that I looked at on the board, and I'm like, I pressed the button, and I'm like, please don't be a beetroot farm, because why? <laughs> why like, why did I put that on? I don't need beetroots. Why is that on the board? You know, and then, like, other things. When late in the season, do I really need a cobblestone generator? Like, no, probably not, you know, or other foods like mutton and potatoes. And at that point, I'm like, I don't I don't need that stuff. So, yeah, there was there was definitely some things that I was, like, not looking forward to had it come up. And I was okay with not getting to the point that I ever did those. This season, I have, you know, making my own choices as far as what farms I do. I don't have a board dictating what I'm going to do. And and I won't I don't think I'll get to every single one. 
one thing I am looking at is like, okay, if I built the farm last season, do I really want to build it again this season? Or, or if Tango has already built this, <laughs> this, this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> piglin bartering system, do I really need to go build a piglin bartering system or gold farm to supply it? Probably not. You know, him and I work together really well and, and, you know, we share our resources with each other and some farms we've already done together. So, um, yeah, I probably won't get to every single farm, but I, I do definitely want to fill that place out. I have this uh, I have this idea with the new industrial district that I'm working on that it's going to be um, really reminiscent to what Ren did in season five with his um, plastic like the plastic island. Yeah, with the yeah. where it basically looked mm. like a motherboard <laughs> mm-hmm. at the end of it. I'm really hoping that like when I'm all said and done, all my farms will, will kind of look like a motherboard and the fact that they each have their individual little chips or whatever and then kind of interconnected um, circuitry inside of it to like and that's the flow of the items from one farm to another like from a you know from a bamboo farm to a super smelter you know like that's your that's your circuit you know and so from a bird's eye view i'm hoping it will end up kind of looking like a motherboard but a lot of work to get there but we don't plan on having a short season again so i keep tackling these huge projects and just hoping that uh time won't run out before Everybody decides it's time for season 10, you know? Yeah, <laughs> long live Hermitcraft season 9. Yeah, exactly. Um, we've come full circle. Uh, so we've talked about all of the Hermitcraft stuff. We've kind of caught up in a, like a potted history of what's happened to you on Hermitcraft since then. But you're expanding into places beyond that. And you'd already had like some of this stuff on the go when we last talked to you. But you've you've done your solo hardcore series. You're continuing Naked and Scared and other Minecraft series with Skiers. Now the podcast. Does it feel like you always wanted to be defined from outside of hermitcraft like do, do you do you feel like hermitcraft is just like one factor of things or do you still see it as like the flagship like hermitcraft is what i do and the other stuff is kind of a a side gig yeah i mean currently hermitcraft still does definitely feel like the staple of of my channel and in what i do you know if i think about how much time i spend every week hermitcraft definitely takes up the most time and is also um the most lucrative thing uh, for me as a content creator but I, I do like the idea of having all these other projects that I'm doing. It, it keeps me fresh. You know, it keeps me if if all I did was Hermitcraft, you know, and I spent 40 to 50 hours a week just doing Hermitcraft. Sure, I could get more content out. I could make even more impressive builds in Hermitcraft than I do today. But chances are I would get bored and burn out. Um, and then, and then what, you know, so having all these other projects that I do, you know, especially with, with my buddy Skizzle, man, you know, we, we just have so much fun together and it's, it's not, it doesn't ever feel like, like work, you know, not that that even Hermitcraft does, but it's just so easy to just like get on a stream and, and hang out with my buddy Skiz and whatever happens, happens. Same thing with Naked and Scared. That's why we've done, you know, 25 seasons is because we just have so much fun just hanging out and doing this stuff. It keeps me fresh, you know, it just gives me something else to do and um i i kind of i i really like that and I, I i do end up juggling too much and get overwhelmed at times and then you know realize it and have to kind of pull back on a, on a couple series here and there but um i i like the idea of also having something outside of hermitcraft that just keeps me keeps me interested and the podcast is is not even minecraft which is is very interesting uh, the the thing with the podcast i like is the idea that people hopefully will get a genuine interest in me and skiz like the the creators behind the, this other content and be as interested in 
in us and who we are as they are like what we do in Minecraft. Like that's that's the goal there. And, and I hope it happens um, because, you know, one, just personally for my ego, but two, it hopefully would open some doors that if someday... Uh, you know, we did have to stray away from Minecraft, God forbid. Uh, hopefully, you know, Minecraft is still popular 20 years from now. But if it ever did uh, shift in, in that, then we would still be poised to, to be relevant, you know, um, because yeah. people do actually invest in us, the creators, versus just what blocks we place. You know? Yeah, it makes makes sense not to put all of your eggs in one basket, but also, yeah, to kind of to allow yourself to stay refreshed creatively, I think is a really important thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's really smart, you know, as we'll say a brand, you know, with with Impulse SV um, to diversify and, and have that other kind of content that isn't related to, to Minecraft. And I know that you stream other games from time to time, too, you know, like you play. Um, what's the what's the little spaceship one? I'm drawing a blank. Among Us. Um, <laughs> Among us, yeah. yeah. So, and I've seen you guys have great amounts of fun with mm -hmm. that. And and that game, it's less about the gameplay and more about the people and the personalities that are all on mic and trying to stab one another in the back or all that kind of stuff. And I, I think it's um, important that anybody that's coming up that's looking at content creation as a potential career path, that they see their favorite content creators diversifying and not putting, as Johnny said, all their eggs in the Minecraft basket. You know, they, they play other games, they do other things, they do a podcast, they create other content and they shift the focus from follow me because you like this game to follow me because you like me. Yeah, that's the goal. Yeah. But aside from that is fun, right? Like, like we still want this to be fun. I, I think that plays a huge part of content creation. If you're not having fun, fun then why are you doing it right or or why are people why would people want to watch if you're not enjoying what you're doing and so by doing these other things it, it keeps me like i said fresh but really the, the word is fun everything still becomes fun for me and i don't get drained on just doing the same thing over and over again and i think that's the takeaway people should take from this episode is that it's all still fun for impulse and we hope it stays fun for a lot longer um that's where we're gonna have to leave it though because we are close to running out of time here for this episode of the spawn chunks but impulse thank you so much for joining us on this week's show take a moment to tell the folks listening to this episode where they can find more of you and what you do yeah, so I mentioned I juggle a lot of plates. I also juggle a lot of channels. <laughs> so I have my main channel, obviously, on YouTube is just Impulse SV. You can catch me there. You can catch Hermitcraft there, and my solo hardcore gets there as well. Um, I have a second channel where I post all my Twitch live stream replays. So if you like the kind of longer style content, I usually stream about five times a week, about three hours a, a pop. Um, so you can find all those replays on my second channel, Impulse SV2. Or if you want to catch me live, over on Twitch, it's twitch.tv slash ImpulseSV. Uh, I do do a lot of Hermitcraft streams Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific time is when those start. Solos uh, out on the Wednesdays now. And uh, also do some afternoon streams on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, uh, I have my stream with Skizzleman on Tuesdays and with Skizzleman and other friends, Tango and Joker. We call ourselves the Jits Crew on Thursdays. We do fun various games like Phasmophobia and some other things, um, puzzler games and things like that. And uh, among us from time to time on Friday nights on Twitch. So a lot of a lot of good stuff happening on Twitch, a lot of live streams. And those, like I said, you catch replays on the second channel. And then I, my third channel with uh, with my buddy Skizzleman is Imp and Skiz on YouTube. And that's where our Skyblock Evolution series is going and our newly formed podcast. If you're interested in, in doing a, a visual podcast, you can catch it there on YouTube or the audio, of course, is on all your major podcast platforms that you would expect. Just search for Imp and Skiz and you'll find us. And we've... Uh, 
uh, we've got three uh, really fun podcasts. I hope, uh, hope you guys check them out and enjoy them. But yeah, that's all the plugs. I mean, I'm on most social media platforms if you look for me, but those are the main ones. Oh, the, the, I think that's probably the the most any of our guests have ever been doing, and it sounds like <laughs> you're having a great time doing it. I am, I am. Um, you can find more information about our show and links to some of the stuff we talked about today, including all of Impulse's links, if we can fit them all in, over at thespawnchunks.com. <laughs> uh, the music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community, where pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can listen to the show live when we are recording just me and Joel. We typically do guest episodes separately to, for guest comfort and so forth, but we also also have a bunch of other stuff coming up for patrons we had our monthly minecraft audio hangout this weekend where our patrons get to share screenshots of what they've been working on in minecraft and joel and i talk about trends in building in the minecraft community it's always a fantastic time we're currently at 345 patrons there's always room for more special thanks go out to our content engineers hunter555 jumbo sale and yitz for your support on this episode Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Just poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance, of course, and let them know where they can find The Spawn Chunks. We are on every podcast platform. Just search for us by name. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The RSS feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast, Podcast with more impulse. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixorifs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixorifs, where I try to make sense of this bizarre and wonderful game in Season 2 of both the Minecraft Survival Guide and Empire's SMP. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for my YouTube series, and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixorifs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolios at joelduggan.com. The Citadel Cafe is my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. That's at thecitadelcafe.com. Talked a lot about Halo Infinite and Guild Wars 2 this past week. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream at least three days a week. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and the world below is the domain of the dwarves. <laughs>